Before we get started, I want to let you know that all of my music and the music I've made with my friends is now free. It's pay what you want on arielpowell.bandcamp.com. You can also listen to it on Spotify and the other streaming services, but you can download it for free on arielpowell.bandcamp.com. Hey everybody, thanks for listening to my Friends Hate Freedom podcast. I'm Bear Snare, and today I'm here with Kelsey Odner of MaidenCreekBeef.com. Kelsey, how are you? I'm doing well. Good. Yeah, so um, you raise beef. What got you interested in that? Well, I can give you the long story or the short story. That is up to you. <laughs> uh-huh. Basically, I, let's see, when I was 17, um, I went to Wyoming with my family. I have four siblings, my parents, and um, we went hiking in the Beartooth Mountains, which is um, right on the line of Wyoming and Montana. And I was like, at that point, pretty, pretty much of like, I'm a sporty person. Um, I grew up in the country, but I was a gymnast and I don't know, like I was into triathlons and rock climbing, whatever. And um, I mean, we always had sheep or horses in our house, but uh, it it was what it was. um, Anyway, so when I was out in Wyoming and we were hiking, I... It, it definitely had an effect on all of us. And I remember, I remember hiking, like walking this trail, I mean, like 15 miles a day uh, for, for like a month. And um, thinking, you know, I really kind of wish that I was on a ranch here. Like, or I wish that I was a part of the culture here. Hmm. I don't know why I thought that. I don't know what came over me. I mean, I know I had always respected cowboys from, you know, the books that my dad would read us before bed and stuff like that. Like I had a little place in my heart for, you know, the, the tough wise cowboys of the past. And, um, so I guess the spirit out there of Wyoming and Montana just brought that back. And I, I just felt like, you know, I don't really want to be just, hiking i want to be a part of what they're doing out here so uh we went to take a shower at this like rv park or something in cody wyoming and there was a rodeo going on and i'd never seen a rodeo before um and just in the stands and i saw um some barrel racers come out which is like girls that are ripping around on horses um, 
very skilled riders going around barrels. I don't know why, but that, that like hit my soul. I was like, this is, this is hitting something in me, like a lifestyle I want to be a part of so badly. I cannot recover Hmm. (laughs) almost like that. And I I just like, I, I went again and again to this rodeo that would happen every night. Um, until we went back out into the mountains. And so, and there were, you know, cattle at the rodeo, of course, and all that. So then uh, two years later, I still had this experience like in my soul, never went away, got stronger and stronger. So, um, so anyway, I moved when I was 19, I, I moved to Australia to one million cattle ranch in the uh, Northeastern Territory. And um, I was with my friend, Carla. So that was a little safer. You know, I didn't really think too much about safety, maybe a little bit, but <laughs> that was good to have her there. And on this ranch, um, it was so huge. I mean, a million acres is hard to picture. Um, wow. A million there were acres. 40, yeah. That's yeah. pretty inconceivable. Mm-hmm. I, I know. I think it's, I think that's the size of Berks County or something like okay. something like that is what wow. I heard, which, which doesn't mean much to me either, but it sounds big. <laughs> um, and there were 40,000 cattle on this ranch in different pastures. Uh, it took three hours to get to certain parts of the ranch and essentially, um, you know, you can only do so much in 24 hours. So I got to see how a huge operation was managed. Um, and there were helicopters and uh, single engine Cessnas herding the cattle. Wow. And um, horses and dirt bikes and trucks and dogs. So we would bring in about 1,500 to 2,000 cattle at a time and then you would run each one through to see what it needed some were ready to be slaughtered some needed to be castrated some needed to put more weight on some were from the neighbors that (laughs) weren't ours that we you know like the wrong brand that we would have to give back um you know, sorting the, the males from the females, um, making sure that you do the right thing with the bulls, keeping, anyway, just all that. And, and then we would go to the next pasture and sort all of those. And then there was a lot of fence fixing. And anyway, long story short, like, it, I think it, it t- toughened, I can say it toughened me up. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I think that that's like obvious. So I wanted to use like a better word than that. Um, well, that I sounds like that, quite an operation to experience. Yeah, I think that it it expanded me. It expanded my 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 um expanded my like fear zone. So my fear zone got um like like I don't know how to like picture this, but I got, became less afraid. Of, of things like there were m- there was more of life that I wasn't afraid of after that experience 
Right. And, you know, when I came home, I actually almost felt like, like a veteran, you know, it was like a little bit of a culture shock. Um, if I saw somebody, you know, wearing cowboy boots, I'd get angry. Like, you don't even know what those are for. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, that, that kind of thing. So at this point I felt like, man, you know, this is, this is really in my heart and soul. And then I moved to Wyoming again and I uh, worked on a little cattle ranch out there. Actually, it wasn't that little, but it was little compared to Australia. And that was beautiful. And that was really fun. Um, Branding calves and being out in that area. Um, So anyway, then when I came back, um, I was... Uh, this is the part that's going to get into the subject of freedom. Yeah, go that for it. It's okay with you. Absolutely. So I, um, yeah, I, I uh, while I was enjoying this ranch life, et cetera, I also uh, had, had um, started my degree in pre-med, pre-medicine. And, um, I I was going toward becoming a physician assistant, which is a master's degree. And in order to apply for the master's, I had to work 2,000 hours in the medical field and um, put that on my application, essentially, for my master's degree. So I became a phlebotomist, which is someone who takes blood from people. Yeah. And... I got paid thirteen fifty an hour, and that was that was before taxes. So after taxes, I was making four hundred dollars a week. Oh man! And and that was forty hours a week. Yeah, full time, four hundred a week, and that was the first time I had ever had a full time like regular job, and I was. And um, so at this, at this job, they had part-time positions and they had full-time positions. So the part-timers would leave at 11 in the morning and spending every day there all day long. I would look at these people leaving at 11 and I would be like, they have the rest of their day to do stuff. Like my time became so important to me. I just couldn't imagine working like this till I retired. Like I was just, it was blowing my mind, but everyone does this. And um, so I started scheming and I was like, I want to be free. I want to be free. I want to be free. And it was like, well, what does freedom mean? You know, it means that you can do what you want with your time or something, something like that, uh, that you have choices. And I, you know, when I, when you don't have money, you don't have as many choices and all that stuff. So yeah, I, um, yeah, having choices is a huge part of it. Right. And so I was like, well, if I make $200 on the side a week, then I can go part-time, essentially, because that's half my income. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I can't be that hard to make 200 bucks a week. Like, there's got to be a way. And it w- I went back to this, to this ranching stuff and I, I I had 10 acres of pasture at my parents' house. 
So I was like, I'm going to sell some cows. I wish I remembered the moment that I decided that. I don't, but I somehow thought I was desperate enough that I was like, I'm going to try something. And so I bought five cows and I was terrified. I didn't even know how to buy a cow. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to buy a cow. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, probably exactly. I would just call you. <laughs> right. Like, how do you buy a cow? <laughs> so I just started to ask questions. I was like, um, I'm, I went to an auction and I was like, hi, I've never done this before. Um, what do I do? And they're like, oh, go to that desk over there and they'll give you a number. I'm like, okay. Just kind of did what I was told. I went and I bought five cows. And, um, that was like $6,000 and that was like, whoa, that was a quick $6,000 gone. Yeah. really. Um, that was a lot of, that was a lot of $400 weeks saved up. <laughs> so I, uh, I just like got to this point where the fear of being trapped was greater and my fear of failure. Hmm. And at that point, I decided to never give up. Nice. I was so afraid to be trapped for the rest of my life. And I just figured, well, I'll work full time and I'm going to do this on the side. It doesn't matter how long it takes for me to make some money, but I'm never going to give up. I'm going to do this. So the cool thing about never giving up is that you end up learning what you need to learn because that's just what happens if you don't give up. And I learned a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Business is the greatest thing in the world. I, I just, it, it's a way to be useful to people. Um, You'll, you know, like the more you fulfill people's needs, the better you do. Um, so it just seems like a great setup. Um, and it taught me how to think logically, it taught me how to do accounting, sales, website design, marketing, like all these things that I was afraid of or I didn't believe I could do, but if you're not going to give up, then you got to do it. Right. So what have you found most challenging? Yeah. Or what have been some of your like uh, moments of big challenges? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I needed to, I needed a website. And so this was about seven years ago. I was like, okay, I need a website. And I didn't have the money to pay somebody to make me a website. So I was like, well, I guess I'm going to learn how to make a website. So I just went into WordPress and just kind of failed forward. You know, just was just a lot of hours being frustrated and pushing this button and going to this and going to that. And I don't know, just kind of putting things uh. together until I was like, oh, I think I understand how to do the back end of a website. And I finally learned and made my website and then um, 
that was really challenging. That was really hard. That's yeah. awesome though that, that you just went and dug bad. right in. Like that's that's generally how I do projects too. Is I kind of dig right in, and there's there's some point where I pass the point of no return. Sometimes, especially if it's like a remodeling project or something, where you like you you dig in, and then it's like, well, doing it now, and uh, then it's exactly. like now now I go to YouTube University and have to you know, hopefully I've done some of that ahead of time, maybe, but, uh, sometimes it's just during the process that I'm doing all the research I can to try to do the best job I can <laughs> figure out what I'm doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And YouTube is just, it's just awesome. It's a great I resource. I mean, sure. There might be, yeah, there might be stuff that's dumb on there, but there's always something that helps. And Oh my gosh. I, I love YouTube and I love Google. I love it all. I just use it and try to become, try to become a good, you know, good at having discretion about, you know, what to use. And, um, this podcast yeah, is brought to you by those evil corporations. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, and another challenge was, uh, I guess like really learning how to raise cattle, like on my own, like to have them and to really, I don't know if it was like, it wasn't like building a website type challenge, but it was just like my cattle got pink eye one oh, time, which, which is surprising. Like who knew that cattle get pink eye is what, is what it's called. And, um, I thought that a tiger, that like a cougar had attacked my, my cow at night. You know, I was like, what's wrong with his eye? Like, mm -hmm. I just didn't know anything. And, uh, I had to ask, you know, the farmer, my farmer friend and he's like, Oh, that's actually just pink eye. And he sprayed this in it and then it goes away. Okay. So then I have to like try to trap the cow so I could spray it in the eye. <laughs> and uh you know and then and then just like having cows having babies and learning what they do like oh the, all of a sudden the mom will just wander away into the woods and like oh she's going to have baby that's what they do huh. um i don't know it's just a lot to learn like how much do they eat you know and how much do you spend on it when are you making money when are you losing money and just yeah, what's, all kinds of stuff. And like fence fixing. Oh my gosh. Oh man, fence fixing. <laughs> that seems to be every yeah, fence fixing. every rancher's challenge. Killer. <laughs> Absolutely. We watched Clarkson's Absolutely. farm um, just recently, and uh, that's one of the things they deal with over and over again, like repairing the same section of fence over and over again, kind of thing. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's just. I don't know why. It so, seems like it's so strong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How many head of cattle do you have now? And do you do like mostly steers or do you steers and cows? Do you have your own bull? Yeah, good question. So I actually, so I, I sell right now between 84 and 100 cows a year. Wow. So in order to provide that many, I, um, I can't have my, it all be my own herd. Uh, that becomes a huge math problem that takes a long time to explain, but like 
basically to have the right weights at the right time all year round, you'd have to have a massive, massive, massive herd. So what I do is, while I have some of my own, um, and I run about 100 cattle, like between 36 to 100, depending on the time of year, um, I also have two other farms that raise them just like I do that supplement my herd that I get, that I buy from those farms okay. when I need an extra steer. Um, and I do raise heifers and steers, but, um, yeah, cows and heifers are actually different. Uh, heifers are cattle that have not had a baby yet. Okay. And cows have had a baby. So if, but if I heifer had a baby, the cow. <laughs> now she's called a cow. Right. And um, truthfully, there, yeah, there are actually, and so like in the industry, it makes sense to have two different types of farms. There are people who have um, people who breed and have babies it's called a cow calf operation and then they sell those uh, babies when they're weaned to people like me and then i raise them from there on up to um the slaughter gotcha. so i don't actually have to deal with too many babies I, I do it because i like it but it's not as it's not always good for the spreadsheet for the balance Right, right, because it's a big, yeah. it's a big time commitment and a lot of effort that you have to do that you don't necessarily right. want to deal with. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Are you still? Yep. Are you doing all that on on that same ten ten acres? No, I actually um, I use um, a barn two miles away from that that, that ten acres. That's, okay. That's probably huge, the one I went farm. to when I picked up uh, the meat, right? No, different than that. Oh, okay. That. <laughs> it's, it's actually the other way. Yeah, and it's it's wonderful. It's like tons of pastures and awesome finishing barns. So it's a good setup. Cool. It's a really good setup, and I have. So that's yeah. great. You've got an awesome so, community of people doing related things that um that are like helping be part of the process, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's, yeah. that's part of freedom too, is having that community like that, that system locally. And yeah. And part of freedom is waking up every day and doing what I want to do, like doing what I'm passionate about. I know that it, that sounds so cliche, but it's like, finally, I don't have to take orders from a boss, which isn't the worst thing in the world. I also finally have, um, I have the ability to grow limitlessly. Like life just became so full. It's like, I don't know. I just, just, That's I, awesome. I, I feel like I, I came, I came alive in this freedom instead of just, uh, you know, saying like oh same shit different day right yeah oh man that's one of those things i can't stand (laughs) people say it all the time and it's like is your life really that boring that you have to say that every day like (laughs) oh right and it's like it's It's also like yeah and it's also kind of like 
it can be easy to get into learned helplessness. Yeah. It, it can be easy to get into the victim mentality. And, um, you know, you don't necessarily need to be this like crazy extrovert to go start a business. You just have to have a, have an idea, have a plan and just kind of stick with it. You know, you can do it quietly, just stick with it and keep learning and have it make sense. And then you, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, um, I just encourage everybody to think of like how they can make an extra hundred bucks a month. And just yeah. by that brainstorm, just by brainstorming about that, it opens up a new part of your mind that you never tried before. Yeah, that's that's cool. I'm still working the 40 hour a week job and, you know, I, it's very flexible and I don't feel trapped by it particularly, which is why I'm not more, uh -huh. which is why I'm not more ambitious, like toward doing yeah. other stuff, but yeah. I'm also open to doing other stuff and you know, we've got like our little homestead here where we're raising mm -hmm. some quail. We're getting chickens this year. And so we're doing a lot of stuff, but yeah, like making, making an extra hundred bucks a month. That's a good way to think about it. I like mm -hmm. that. And you know what? You make a really good point. It's totally fine to work. It's to, it, it doesn't, all you, as long as you don't feel trapped and, and sad and, and, you know, and without energy, that's all that matters. Right. Um, that's it. That's all that matters. You know, it doesn't, if you're working in a coal mine and you love it, <laughs> death, but that's, then that's great. You know, that's, that's it. You've succeeded. Um, and so it's really just, yeah. If you're having any kind of a trap, like, Oh, I can't wait to retire. This shit sucks. Um, then it's a good time to go, well, how would I make an extra hundred bucks a month? And, uh, yeah. It's just like, it just opens your mind a little bit. Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I might have to, um, ponder that one and, and, you know, just, just think about it. I, I know there's plenty of yeah. ways. Cause I have like, I, <clears throat> I have certainly thought about my own sustainability and what I would do, you know, if I lost my job or like what could replace it, even if I didn't just lose it. But like, that's, that's, I, I like that approach. Um, so yeah, anyway, um, so being in the industry that you're in, um, raising beef, it is a very like over-regulated industry. How do you deal with that? Well, luckily I am not in the, um, commercial part of it. So, um, there's a whole nother world of beef going on out there that is outside of private farms like myself. And so I'm a private producer and therefore I am only regulated if I want to sell retail at like a farmer's market or a store. Okay. Then I'm regulated. But if I just keep to myself and um, sell in bulk, then it's nobody really comes after you. Although I do make sure that my meat is USDA inspected. So that means that I get it butchered at a small place that's USDA inspected. Okay. Um, so that is something that my meat is. That means that I could sell it at a farmer's market, but I don't. Um, and then if we jump over into the big commercial beef industry, 
that is where it gets ugly and shady and and, and annoying and ugh, you know just um there's yeah. like four main companies that run the whole, whole thing and yeah and there's maybe that just, many yeah. different processing facilities for actual butchering too right in the whole country something like that like i, yeah, I don't so, know the exact number but i know it's very few which is ridiculous right yeah i mean there's yeah there's some i mean there's definitely a couple but they're running like five thousand two to five thousand beef a day through them so those are the huge ones like cargill that's up in wyalusing i used to drop a few cattle there like in my past and that was eye-opening it was like oh my gosh hmm. um that was a huge slaughter plant I don't deal with plants like that anymore. Um, but it's, yeah, the beef industry sucks. Like if you go into the commercial world, it's, right. it's bad. Yeah. It's sad. I mean, they take them off the ranches, they take them to a feedlot and their life sucks there. And then they, uh, they ship them to, um, Hunts Point Market in New York city. And that's um, that's the huge distribution point in the United States. Like that's one of the big big distribution points for meat, where they then distribute all the cuts to whoever whoever wants them, whoever needs them, just huh. supply and demand. Yeah, yeah. But I've I've seen some is, yeah. I've seen some pretty <laughs> horrific things around the meat industry in general. Um, not just beef, although that obviously as well, but um, pork and chicken too you know it's uh it definitely makes you think twice about what you're eating <laughs> it's probably actually i think it's one of the reasons mm -hmm. i started hunting is because i wanted to um you know i was like well there's obviously some ethical issues here maybe if i can at least prove to myself that i can do it myself then i have a little bit more of you know a leg to stand on right. as far as eating it <laughs> and uh right yeah 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 no i totally get that um, part of it was just being able to put food on the table too like proving proving it to myself that i could put food on the table kind of thing you know mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. but yeah so that's yeah. cool so since you do it the way you do it you don't worry too much about fda and stuff um right I've, I've heard of like, I, I, I don't know how much of it is just like, like fear porn type stuff and how much of it is real, right. but I've heard about FDA coming to like real small farms and stuff and, and really messing, messing them up, um, with, you know, scams like, oh, they all have swine flu or whatever it is, whatever the thing of the day is that they like, they're like, oh, you have to euthanize them all now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, I don't. I think that's more fear. That's just that's not. And there's got to be a reason for them to do that to you. There has to be something that's in it for them. Um, you know, like crazy, terrible, bad things don't happen for no reason. Um, I I personally am someone who I don't live in fear. I just right. don't. Yeah, I well, don't. I'm like, no, I'm good. Like my, yeah. It's not a good. <laughs> mentality to live in and and really that's 
that's what they want. So we should really just do the opposite. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, it's not, it's not like there's this big they that comes and destroys your life. It's like, no, they have to follow rules too. And, you know, they can come in and say something and then you can say, well, I disagree with that. And I guess we're going to go to court and what's in it for them? You know, what are they getting out of it? Right. In the end, what are they getting out of it? So it doesn't, nothing, you know, you're just a small farm. Right. They're not, you know, if you really like put the logic behind it, it's like, you know, that is fear porn. It really doesn't happen. Maybe it would happen to a huge farm that is, you know, but not a small farm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's a, a good perspective. Um, it's certainly not worth living in fear about stuff like that. Have you um, heard ab- about the beef initiative or uh, I, I think I sent yes, you a link. You, you sent me the link and I got on it and I got customers from it. Oh, awesome. Very cool. Yeah. So, yeah. so that means you, if I wanted to pay using Bitcoin, you would say yes, right? Well, to be honest with you, I have not checked it. Like I haven't like, I like signed up for it and then it was just like, okay, cool. And I just sort of forgot like how it works. So right. I don't know if that is, I don't, I don't think, I don't I think you have a choice to be hooked up to that if you're on the beef initiative but it's just by getting on there it doesn't mean that you're automatically right okay yeah i hadn't looked into it that far to see exactly how they had it mechanized i know that's something that they're big on right facilitating um right and if you if you are interested in that i can i can help you get um started with bitcoin because i've been messing around with it for a couple years now um nice so, yeah, let me know if that's something you're interested in. And I, what if all, what if instead of offering you Bitcoin for meat, I offered you um, silver or something like that? Yeah, I mean, as long as you can do the conversion, right? I'm good. I'd yeah. Just, you know, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, okay, let's do the conversion here in the parking lot and then we can figure it out with our little, with our little scale and then uh, we'll go from there. (laughs) Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I think alternate currencies are a very um, important part of freedom. Um, Especially with these wild times of banking collapses and stuff, you know, we could see the value of the dollar really change and we might um, find ourselves more and more um i don't want to say dependent on but um we might find some of the alternate currencies much more preferable than they are right now right now dollars are very much the easiest thing um to to spend and receive and everything because we think about everything the value of things in dollars right we don't think about it as like how many ounces of silver is that or how many what fraction of a Bitcoin is that or anything like that. Um, right. But uh, yeah, I think, I think being able to trade in other things is going to become more valuable and, um, and that's cool that you're open to that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that I think that whatever whatever works is what stays um, on the surface, and everything else kind of falls through the cracks. That makes sense. Like, if if, if something works, then it works, and if it stops working. Right, it stops working. like the utility will prove itself, kind of thing. Yeah, right, exactly. Like, I think that's just true for like, you know, in general, like the laws of divine order. I know that's heavy duty to say that, but like, that's part of the reason that I try not to be too scared because it's like I can do my best, but what actually is sustainable is is what's gonna rise to the top and what's not sustainable is not gonna sustain right yeah yeah so sustainability that's something we hadn't like specifically talked about yet um sustainable agriculture is is a is a big thing that i'm into i'm into permaculture and stuff um and i've recently um I guess learned that um, that beef is one of the most sustainable crops that you can have. Like it's certainly more sustainable than the corn and the soy that are monocropped yeah. and, and sprayed with glyphosate and all that, that we, yeah. we, right. we grow a lot of that stuff just to feed beef and beef doesn't like the, those cows don't really need it. <laughs> they can, they can live on grass. If you have enough grass to feed them that you can like stock some up for the winter and all that. Um, yep. it's, uh, yep. and then they fertilize their own ground to grow more grass. It's, um, it's a pretty awesome thing and you can incorporate chickens and all kinds of other stuff into there, but, uh, it's a pretty Absolutely. awesome thing. And, um, you know, there's all this, like all this FUD about, um, the methane from cattle and the only, the main reason they produce all that methane is because they're eating stuff that they're not, um, designed to digest. Exactly. 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 Not that I think the methane itself is the problem that it's made into being, but, um, but it is like, it's a pretty interesting thing where there, this, there's an easy solution to this problem. And, um, it's like the most, mm-hmm. it's the most simple thing that you could possibly do. And it cuts out so many other, um, unnecessary inputs. And so the, the spending of so many other unnecessary resources. You know, the saddest part of sustainable farming is, well, not the sad. There's nothing sad about sustainable farming, but what makes me sad is if we were really to do it, um, we would need more people to to become farmers. Yeah. So it's not that it, you know, like, it's not that farmers wanted to become bad people. It's that the more people stopped farming, the more food one farmer had to make. Right. And in order to make that much, they had to start using unsustainable practices. 
Yeah. Yeah, and I wonder um <clears throat> there we could go back a long way to to see how that developed like it you know with with tractors that's part of it tractors and harvesters and stuff um more like oh, people, fewer people, people moved were to able city. to farm more land and farmers got kicked off of their land that they were farming even if it wasn't their land they were just like sharecropping or whatever um you know the industrial revolution yeah yeah and you know their technology has had a lot of benefits but it's also had some some downfalls as well or some Mm -hmm. yeah and that's, that's the saddest part is like i think what's tough is a lot of people that don't farm are like come on raise your cows on just grass and do everything right and it's like you know if we did that you wouldn't have any food right you know if they did do all or Organic. They did all organic farming. There wouldn't be any soy that you could, you know, like the road paint is made out of soybeans. <laughs> like that's in road paint. Huh. Um, um, girl, women's mascara is made out of soybeans. Like I'm not saying it's the only ingredient, but like the things that we are making out of corn and soybeans are so enormous that if we wanted to do it organically, we would have to change a lot of things. Yeah. Well, I would, I would pause because there wouldn't be very much, there wouldn't be very many crops. (laughs) I I would suggest that maybe some of those things don't have to be made out of soy and they are because soy is a subsidized crop. Soy and corn are subsidized. And therefore, they're very cheap to use for all kinds of industries. Agreed. It's like an enable. It's like it's like they're being enabled. Everything's yeah. enabling the next. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's it's unhealthy, unsustainable enablement. Right. Yeah, we're all we're all greed addicts, <laughs> and we can't we can't go into a detox and just realize what's not sustainable yeah well uh i'm i'm good i've i've asked you all the questions that i whipped out and uh this has been awesome yeah well thanks for having me and uh yeah i mean i i don't know what else to add but i'm just so glad that um got to remind me of my own story and stuff and I hope that people just see fear a little differently than they thought before they heard this because yeah fear is just a a buddy that comes along for the ride but doesn't mean he can stop you <laughs> right so. yeah I as much as I may have problems with FDR, I think it was him that said the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And that is a very true and resonant quote. Right. Right. So cool. Well, thanks so much for having me and, uh, Hey, thank you. Until next time. Thanks for coming on last minute. This is awesome. All right. And maidencreekbeef.com, right? Absolutely. Anything else you want to throw out there? Yes, yes. Um, anyone can check it out. We do do shipping now, so even nice. if you're far away, 
from Pennsylvania, that's okay. Um, and yeah, can, there's a number on the website if you have any questions. So, all right, very cool. Well, thanks, Kelsey. All right. Okay. See ya. See ya. One thing I forgot to mention during this conversation was how absolutely delicious Kelsey's beef is. My wife and I got a quarter of a cow or heifer steer, whatever it was, um, about a hundred pounds of beef. And we absolutely love it. It blows away anything you would get at the supermarket and for a very similar price. So it's definitely worth looking up your local butcher your local farmer, rancher, cattle raiser, and getting in touch with them and buying directly from them because it's way higher quality and it's worth it.